Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Mailman Podcast. Today we have with us Yehoshua, who is co-founder and CEO of Alpe Audio. Did I take that name right? Or I've had people mention it in all kinds of ways. Okay. I've had it. How, how do you say it? How do you say I've it? I've had it Alp. I've heard it Alpe. I've heard it Alpe. Um, honestly, it comes from uh, the Alps in Europe, which is. Okay. Uh, So we say it Alp with the E at the end. Um, in Hebrew, actually, Alpe means orally. So by word of mouth. So it's a kind of play on words. Any way you say it is fine. Fantastic. So, uh, uh, so Yehoshua is co-founder and CEO of Alp Audio. Uh, we're going to learn about what this Alp Audio is about uh, because I'm also very curious, uh, given the rise of audio products, uh, where does he fit in? Where does his company fit in? And more than that, we'll also try to understand about his journey. Uh, from where did he begin? How, how did he progress? And why did he try to solve this problem? And about his days and weeks, obviously. So, Yehoshua, welcome to the episode. Great to be here. Fantastic. So, why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell all of us, uh, what do you do? Sure. So, I'm uh, the CEO and co-founder of Alp Audio. And Alp is really for young professionals who need to achieve mastery in topics in depth, but don't have the time to sit in front of a video course. Um, you know, Alp Audio is the audio education platform for them to obtain mastery in those topics. So basically learn in depth when you can on the go. We have topics like product management, investing, finance, marketing, um, basically anything that your young entrepreneur, business development associate would need to know. And the courses are really built for also entertaining, but mainly for engagement of basically retention of that information so that you actually remember what you've heard. Um, I'm a huge podcast lover, but I've often been frustrated with, um, and I know it's meta to say this on a podcast, but I've often been frustrated with not really remembering the main takeaways after you listen to, you know, to an episode. Got it. Fantastic. Okay. So now the funny thing is I am a huge podcast listener as well. And uh, for many, many years, many, many years. And uh, I'm sure there would be a few things that you'll resonate with as well. So first, let me take the difficult question first. Audio is a form that I believe is best consumed when your hands and your eyes are doing something else. I mean, if I'm just sitting on a chair and agree. table and I just try to listen something, I'll be easily distracted. But if I'm cooking, doing my dishes, and then if I listen, that whatever work I'm doing is just muscle memory. So I'll keep doing while I, I pay almost 90% of my brain attention towards the audio that I'm listening to. But right. then the issue is I am, I am not looking at my screen. Right. How do I interact? Um, do I like, if, how do I really interact with whatever is going on? If I want to save something. Uh, so for example, if whenever, whenever I listen to audiobooks, I have this huge complaint that I want to take notes and there's no way to take notes. When you're listening exactly. to audiobooks. Exactly. So, um, have you thought about these kind of problems when you yeah. are talking about learning through audio? And if yes, then how, how are you planning to solve these things? Yeah. So actually, these problems are, are exactly what brought me to founding Alp. So just like yourself, I'm a, an audio lover, uh, podcasts, audiobooks, and the, the frustrations you just raised are exactly what what was bothering me. And so I actually got to Alp for my own commute to a startup that I was working at and mm -hmm. not being able to retain that information, wanting to take notes, but not being able to, not having a summary at the end of the lesson mm -hmm. and not having it structured so that I remember it. 
because what you mentioned is like we're multi-doing audio, right? And so the information has to take that into account that, you know, yeah, I'm driving, maybe it's a lot of muscle memory, but also some part of my attention is focusing on that. And so the content has to take that into account and be built for it. And so at Alp, that's really how we build our audio courses. So you can take notes either um, written in the summary or with the voice memo. um, And that can be while you're driving without even taking your phone out. Um, So that's number one. Number two is all of our lessons come with a summary that's already written for you with the main takeaways written down. It's sent to you at the, once you finish that lesson, we automatically generate flashcards for each lesson so that the main takeaways and charts and graphs and, um, you know, things that you might need to look at actually show up in a feed of flashcards that you review afterwards. Basically Mm -hmm. everything that you need to learn in depth built around that constraint of you're learning on the go and your phone is in your pocket. Right, so that's one big part of it. The second part of it is that, you know, and I touched on this, is just like the content has to take that into account that you're multitasking. So we really have to break down the concepts, make them simpler, make them more interesting in terms of the storytelling so that they sit well in your mind so that by the time I go on to the next topic, you're actually following along with me. Um, yep. What happens to me often is that I daydream for a few minutes and then I'm okay. trying to skip back to where I was listening. Yes, and yes. that happens audiobooks a lot. So we've actually added a feature where you skip back, not 15 or 30 seconds, but actually okay. to the beginning of the last topic. So ah. that's really how we're, we're thinking about it, right? Okay. So um, a few things, maybe I misunderstood. I thought Alp Audio is a platform that allows other creators to build course on top of it. But uh, now I'm getting a feeling that you build your own courses on top of your app. Is that right? Um, it's a mix of both. I mean, we, we also build our own courses, but really what we do is we partner with um, creators or professors or experts, and we actually transform their existing content into this format. So we take a series of Zoom lectures and transform it so that when you listen to it on audio, you're actually not missing out on material, but you have all of these benefits. And so the idea is the Alp platform helps you do that transformation without a lot of work. We do most of the heavy lifting for you. Um, Part of that is automatically with NLP and part of that is human editing. Um, But the idea is really to transform existing content into this new kind of format because there's so much great content out there in the world um, that we don't have to invent the wheel. Got it. And how much time does it take to take an existing, say, video course and convert it into audio course with all the nice things that Alp Audio provides? Yeah, um, it really depends on how long the course is, but just Mm -hmm. as a rule of thumb, it usually takes us a couple of hours to transform a, an hour and a half long lecture in class into, you know, like a 20 to 25 minute audio lesson. So most of our courses are 10 to 14 minutes, 10 to 14 lessons long. And so that'll be, you know, anywhere from 40 to 80 hours of, of work um, together with that, with the creator, with the author of the content. Got it. Uh, okay, so uh, the second question, which could again be a little difficult question, is uh, when consuming audio for entertainment purposes or just um, information consuming purposes, it's okay to maybe not remember something. But when you're consuming audio specifically for learning purposes, uh, with learning, there is one important step, which is practicing. So right. how does that work in Help Audio app? Right. That's a great question. Um, and really, it comes down to learning has to be interactive. It can't just be mm-hmm. passive. Um, mm-hmm. And so for us, that really comes into it in two folds. One of them is actually interactive while you're listening to the audio. 
So okay. um, every once in a while, we actually have a pop-up question, which you can answer okay. with voice or with text, kind of depending on what you're doing. If you're driving, you'll answer with voice. If you're uh, in the train, you'll answer it with text. Um, okay. And so there's interactivity throughout the audio. Um, mm -hmm. And that act actually also gets down to kind of a choose your own adventure vibe. So if you answer incorrectly, then maybe we'll replay some of the audio that you missed out. If you answered it correctly, you can move on to the next lesson, for example. The other aspect is really kind of the wraparound effect, right? So the summaries that get sent to you at the end of a lesson, the flashcards that you can do, right? So it's it's a holistic approach where I want you to be doing 90% of your learning in the audio, but then 10% afterwards, right? To engage with the material more in depth, to maybe share it socially with friends, because that's when you really know you've internalized something is when you share it with other people or apply it in real life. So it's it's a holistic approach to learning. Fantastic. Okay, so now the third question that I had uh, while listening to your uh, description, it could be an easier question, is growth of these things. Growth of these things. So, so everybody who is listening to this podcast, I'm pointing towards my AirPods. Uh, how does this thing affect your product or does it not? Do you try to optimize that if somebody is listening through these interactive mediums? I mean, these things are interactive. You can single tap, double yeah. tap. Uh, so uh, do you optimize for these things or do you just say, hey, we, we, we do. just assume? Okay. <laughs> we do, we do. Um, right, so imagine um, you're listening to something and you have this aha moment, right? It's this mm -hmm. great insight, you want to save it. Um, so why don't you just triple tap, you know, triple tap your AirPods, your AirPods Pro, whatever you're listening to. Um, and I want to save those, that last 45 seconds of audio, yes. right, for yes. you. But I don't only yes. want to save it for you so that you can come back to it. I actually want to automatically categorize it tag it so that it's saved in the right place in the right context. Um, and since you've decided it's important and you want to save it, I also want to create a flashcard from it, right? So if you were learning about how to position your product, you care about that, right? I don't want mm -hmm. you to forget the fact that you saved that, um, you know, that quote of sound, right? I want it to got resurface it, in your it, workflow. I mean, I personally, this is a huge pain point of mine. I have endless voice memos that I've saved and I never come mm -hmm. back to, yes. right? So... Yes. I want that to be part of the workflow. You, you triple tap, it's automatically tagged, it's automatically categorized, and then it surfaces in your flashcards occasionally so that you can actually say like, oh, I cared about this. Let me put that into my workflow. Fantastic. This is this is brilliant. And for how long you have been building Alp Audio? Um, about a year and a half. A okay. And, a half. and what was the beginnings like? Whew, the beginnings was actually very, very difficult. I mean, it's still very difficult today. Um, I actually, okay. I just published a blog post on how we reached uh, um, 10,000 users, which we crossed a month and a half Fantastic. ago. Um, and a lot of it, you know, bootstrapping, organic kind of feet on the ground in the trenches. Alp is, is a heavy lift in a lot of ways. We're also trying to set a new bar for a new kind mm -hmm. of content, which is an audio mm -hmm. mobile course, which doesn't quite exist. Um, and we're also trying to build a new way of learning. That's a lifelong habit right, that in integrates with what cognitive science tells us about how to teach. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And so that takes, that's a heavy lift. Got it. And uh, so this is a consumer product. How do you, I know you have written blog posts, but uh, how did you get your first, say, 1,000 people using Alpodio? Yeah, so the first 400 really are, I'll call it, Friends, family, associates at work, um, basically everyone in my Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp Slack channels. It's okay. a question of, of reaching out to those extended circles. I mean, 400 users, most people who are doing a B2C product um, mm -hmm. have 400 people in their extended circles just yes. by okay. themselves or co-founders. I mean, we also did a few other things like um, 
uh, focus groups with students and at universities, but mainly that's how we did it. Getting to 1,000 is already much more difficult because you're growing beyond that, right? You're going yes. beyond your personal circles. Um, and there we had, we tried 14 different distribution channels from paid okay. to organic podcast newsletters, SEO, ASO, paid promotion, all kinds of things like that. Fantastic. Okay. So, uh Tell us a little bit about the journey. I mean, I see that uh, you were at a VC fund before our crowd, and then you had some other things going on. Uh, yeah. And then finally, you are doing Alpodio. So what was your journey around? What was the common thread that uh, kept moving you from these different places and finally landed you at Alp? Yeah, um, the, the common thread is really lifelong learning, right? So that's number okay. one. And that's that's also going to be my common thread going forward, no matter where I am, no matter what I do. The need for learning, the need to upskill is more prevalent today than ever ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that I, I think I have a dual, you know, split personality in a lot of ways. Part okay. of me loves to invest, loves the broader okay. picture, loves to be kind of involved at a higher level. Um, okay. And that's part of what I've done over the past six years, which is venture capital um, at a, at a Israeli Jerusalem-based fund called Our Crowd um, and at mm-hmm. Toyota AI. Um, and the other part of me loves to build, loves to get in the trenches and push things forward and feel that progress that, you know, you are pushing something and creating something. And that was Spatial Logic, which was a, a mobility-focused company developing an API for microlocation um, wow. and out. Okay. Fantastic. So um, how do you balance between these two split personalities while you're building Alp? Um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. But I manage my own... Uh, my own investments in public equities. Um, okay. I'm an active investor. Um, I do a little, little, little bit of angel investing as well, but um, mainly, mainly my public equities, some crypto, things like that. But it's okay. really, I think, investing is is, um, and you know, it's a, a balance of just being curious about all kinds of different things, and mm-hmm. reading up and staying interested and curious. So that nice. I, I feel is very relevant at Alp as well. Fantastic. And uh, what happens when you build? Are you a programmer, coder yourself? How do you manage your building? Um, if I was coding, that would be a gross misuse of my time just because I'm not okay. great at it. <laughs> but what I do mainly at Alp is the, the marketing, the distribution, the go-to-market, okay. and a lot of the content writing as well. Got it. Um, so because we're heavily involved in the content creation, because this kind of audio course format doesn't quite exist, People know how to create a good podcast. People know how to create a good class, but they don't know how to merge the two and create a good audio course. So I'd say, you know, 50% of my time of my time is just getting writing content, making sure that the content that we're putting out is well produced um, and lives up to the quality bar that we want to set. So that you know, you Mohit, if you are learning while you're cooking, you'll actually remember things and you'll be able to apply yes. them. Yoshua, so uh, you said something which is very interesting. You said a lot of people know how to produce great quality audio podcast. Uh, you know, uh, uh, people know how to produce great courses, but you, people do not know how to merge these two. So have you ever thought of building an audio course on Alp Audio, teaching people how to build audio courses? I have. I have. It's in the works. Um, okay. I've started with a series of blog posts about it, which we actually have on the Alp website. Um, and the idea is definitely to turn that into a course that an audio course that you can then learn on the go. So that is 100% in the works. Yeah, it would be so cool to learn to build something. So this is so meta because uh, uh, they, they'll not just be learning, but then the tool that allows you to implement the same learnings is right in front of them. 
Exactly, you, exactly. Yes. Uh, the first course we did on Help was actually um, a course that I did on um, rethinking learning, it's called, which is basically okay. how we should be thinking about the learning landscape today. And it's, it was mm -hmm. basically uh, condensing a lot of different things that I learned uh, on my own in terms of cognitive science of the, you know, how the brain works, how memory works and how we learn um, and putting that into the first course on ALP, which was like, this is why we're building ALP in the way that we're doing it. Like we're spending Got time it. on flashcards because spaced repetition is really important and we're mm -hmm. making it interactive because forcing retrieval and recall is really important. So very meta, but also very necessary. Got it. Uh, okay, so I'm thinking what could not be learned via audio? So do you think, are there any things that cannot be just taught via audio? Oh, 100%. There are things that do not fit for audio. Um, Hands-on computer science programming does not fit for audio. Art is very bad for audio, right? Anything that you need to be doing it with your hands, right? like math, anything that the brain can't conceptualize mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. seeing the actual symbols um, can't be taught through audio. And this is actually a very interesting kind of conception, misconception around you know, audio versus visual learning styles, mm -hmm. right? Where you cannot teach something visually, or I'll say that the other way, you can't teach something that's audio-based when the material mm -hmm. that you're learning is actually visual in nature. So yes. I can't teach you a map without you seeing the map. You have to yes. see the map to understand it. Um, but that's very different than teaching something, even like statistics, but really statistics is a story. Right. A okay. bell curve is a story of how a population is dispersed. If, if I told you that there's a basketball mm -hmm. player on average, he's a meter 80 at the edges, you have, you know, someone who's a, a midget and the other someone who's a giant, you would understand what a bell curve looks like, even through a story without oh. anything visual. So it really depends on the material. 90% um, of the curriculum can be taught in audio. 10% cannot. Oh, wow. Got it. So what is the best kind of course that is going on on your application right now? Uh, which category does it fall into? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're really focusing on product management, okay. um, marketing, Sales. entrepreneurship, right? Things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and we're focusing on those really because that's where you need to learn something in depth and you care okay. about not forgetting it, right? You actually want to learn these topics so that you can apply them at work. But, yes. it, you know, this is very relevant for all kinds of life skills, whether it's buying your first house, learning how to invest, um, history, philosophy, art, all, you know, a lot of these things, history of art are really great for audio. Got it. This is incredible. Okay. So, Joshua, coming towards your, these days you present, um, now when you're running a company and you have two personalities that you have to balance between, what does a typical day look like? What time do you get up? What time do you wrap up your day? Uh, do you have a family? How do you divide time between your work and your life? Everything um, you can tell us. Yeah, good question. So I, I don't have a family. I'm engaged. So I do have, you know, have a significant other that I have to spend time mm -hmm. with. Um, and I'll put it this way. My, my, my days divide into a few chunks. My most productive hours are before um, 11 a.m. So oh, wow. okay. on, on good days, I try and get in a lot of my deep focus work before 11 a.m. And then I know that I have a crash in the afternoon. And by the okay. way, this is why my, my mailman um, has that set, right? A lot of my emails only come in after 11. Okay. Um, but okay. uh, I have a crash in the afternoon. Also, kind of depending on, on my metabolism, this is something now that I'm 31, I feel that my metabolism is betraying me and I have to really care about how, I'm, how much I eat for lunch. Mm -hmm. um, so in the afternoon, I'll put in low, you know, shallow tasks. 
um, okay. and kind of uh, tasks that I can check off a checklist. And okay. uh, I'll get back into the deep work, usually between 4 and 6 p.m. 4 and 6 p.m. Okay, so yeah. now most of your deep work happens early in the morning. So what time do you start working? Um, I usually start anywhere from uh, 6.30 to 8. Oh, wow. So basically you kind of squeeze in between three to five hours of deep work early in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try and get in those hours in the, in the morning. Um, it really depends on how much sleep I've had the night before. Often mm -hmm. I will find that skimping on sleep doesn't help deep work. And so, yes. you know, there's always the, the temptation to, to be a, a productivity maniac and, and sleep for three hours and wake up early, yes. but often for deep work that actually does not work for me at all. Um, yep. And so if I, if I get to, if I get six hours, seven hours of sleep, then I will, I will wake up, you know, at six and I'll take a half hour to, to kind of get started. Um, and then okay. 6.30, I can start. Fantastic. And how do you plan your deep work? Uh, do you plan your deep work the day before uh, wrapping up your day? Or it's the first thing that you wake up and do it to plan your day? Yeah, so I, this has really helped me um, over the past few years, which is before I go to sleep, I plan mm -hmm. out those hours, you know, those five, five hours of work, six hours, mm -hmm. of, four hours of work, whenever it is until 11. And I put the, you know, three or four key tasks that I want to get done. I put them in the calendar. That way I know exactly what I'm getting up for. Um, okay. And that also kind of helps me get out of bed because I know that it, this is important stuff. And that's, that's how I key in in advance. Um, mm -hmm. We also work it out in just in two week sprints, not only on the development side, but also on the content creation side. Right. So a lot of a lot of our pipeline is, you know, getting these courses out the door, getting the lessons done, making sure that the editing process is done correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and so for us, it's a mixture of making sure that those uh, we split them into variable tasks and non-variable tasks. Right. So right. writing a writing a course will be a variable task because it can take anywhere from a week to three weeks. You don't quite know how long okay. it'll take. And sure. non-variable tasks are short. Right. Recording a podcast, 45 minutes. Got it. Yes. So um, do you have any variable tasks which are not variable in terms of days, but variable in terms of, say, number of hours? Yeah, uh, many, right? So writing a lesson can be anywhere from two hours to eight hours. Um, and how do you plan those? Those are very hard to plan. Usually I have a, a good sense of what lesson will take how long based on okay. kind of the outline of the course and what the, the NLP helps us do. But often, you know, writer's block is just as real when you're writing content like this as it is when you're writing a book. And so there are definitely courses that the outliers can take me a few days because I just can't, I can't crack it. I can't get the, I can't get the, the lesson to be compelling enough, interesting enough. You can't create those magical moments that make you as a learner go like, oh, I get it. Right. Um, and so when we can't, when we can't get to that level, then we put it on hold. Um, and sometimes, you know, creativity when you have a process, it really helps, but sometimes it just needs time. All right. And what does your calendar look like? Because you are involved with some sort of deep work, creativity, then you also have to do look at the business side of it. So uh, do you have some patterns that you have recognized in your calendar or? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I will say remote has been a godsend on that. Okay. Um, I, I'm not a lover of meetings. Um, so my calendar really looks, you know, until 11, there's nothing um, scheduled. At, uh, at 11, we have our daily stand-up for the team. Um, mm -hmm. And after that, there's usually either some, um, you know, some meetings around product if we have to, sprint planning, things like that. And when I say a few meetings, that's usually like 
there's a meeting every other day, maybe. Um, we try to keep things very asynchronous so that people can really schedule their day properly. At four, so I'm, I'm GMT plus two times. So at 4 p.m. where I live in Israel, the East Coast in the United States comes online. And that's when my calls with the East Coast start. And then at 7 p.m., my calls with the West Coast start. Um, All right. So usually in, in, in the evenings to the... I will have those calls. Fantastic, fantastic. And you try to not have any human communication before 11 a.m.? Yeah, I, I try to have no, no human communication before 11 a.m. Okay, so now my question is, uh, what is the time when you first look at your phone? Oh, man, you got me there. That's the first thing I do after <laughs> I get out of bed. <laughs> okay. and, that, and, is, okay. that isn't that first half an hour when I'm waking up, uh, and, I'm looking at my but, phone. But but if if you if you wake up few um, if you wake up to say a few Slack messages, few few emails, few text yeah, messages, Slack. do you get anxious? Um, it really depends. Usually not. Usually not. Okay. Um, what I do, I do triage. You know, that's okay. the first thing I do. Honestly, um, I get out of bed. I do triage. I see. Okay. I see if there's anything you know pressing that has come in over over the night. Usually, the answer is no. Um, and even things that are important, that are pressing, it's very rare that they can't wait a few hours, right? And so pushing that off is is critical for my for me personally, so that I can get that deep work done. Got it, got it, got it. And uh, so triaging is interesting when it comes to inboxes, but uh, what do you do when it is in the Slack? Do you use some specific tool to do it, or do you just take some mental notes? Um, this is one of this is one of my problems with Slack and WhatsApp and Discord. Mm -hmm. That all of the tools that you have available in email are not available there, and so it's just mental notes um, or like my own. You know, I have stars. I have um, Got it. different uh, screen clippings, things like that. Got it. Got it. So, in in so if if there's a morning where a lot of things have happened uh, in these messaging application, communication applications. Um, how do you stay still stay how do you still manage to stay creative and still complete your deep work for next three three and a half hours because if you ask me i can do deep work only when i know there's no other pressing issue uh, in all or any of these communication apps so the first thing that i do is i uh, get rid of all my unread emails all of my text messages uh, uh, if there's any long issue then i assign it for my evenings but unless I do that, I just cannot focus and uh, block everything out from my head and then start working uh, on something creative. So how do you manage to do something uh, early in the morning? Because you're late because the second half now is uh, full of meetings and calls. Yeah. Uh, so, so how do you force yourself to get creative in that zone when there's some anxious emails or text messages lying around? Um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, Mohit, I will not lie. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I think it's not a daily challenge, but it's like at least a three time a week challenge. Um, <laughs> and I don't have a magical answer. I mean, I know meditation works for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for me, I can't meditate when I wake up in the morning. I'll just fall right back okay. asleep. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really a question of, I'll call it screen management. And so I put my phone to charge somewhere else in another room. I have, I have that quiet in my mind because I know I've triaged it. And so if it's, okay. an, if I leave it as unread and part of, mm -hmm. part of my Slack WhatsApp discord is by leaving things unread to come back to later. So I, I have to get used to that little annoying red bubble. Uh, yes. Yes. And I, I close those windows. I close those windows. I put them on a different screen. Um, I make my screen, the, the one I'm working on, I try and work on something with 
um, you know, one, two, three tabs tops oh, wow. and, and just have that go into full screen mode. Um, if I can working in a place without Wi-Fi mm-hmm. is, is a, amazing for productivity or working on a very, very low battery outside. Also oh, wow. <laughs> very good for productivity. <laughs> um, basically, you know, for me, what works is forcing constraints, forcing constraints. Um, and uh, I've definitely tried the Pomodoro techniques, so, you know, something that mm-hmm. I, I learned about in the past, but is also where we have one of our courses on Alp, which is about the neuroscience of productivity. So mm-hmm. producing mm-hmm. this course has also helped me reevaluate my own things. Um, so I've tried to do the Pomodoro, which is 20 or 25 minutes of focus time, and then five minutes of answering WhatsApp messages, answering Slack messages, answering quick emails, things like that, um, if, you, if you really have to. Oh wow, this is this is this is interesting. I mean, you brought up such an interesting point. Uh, adding constraints, um, no Wi-Fi, low batteries. I never realized it, but if I look back at uh, look back at it before COVID COVID times, if I was working in a cafe, I would try to squeeze maximum creativity while the battery lasts. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, that's by the way a great a great environment for me um, in a cafe with low battery, no power plug. Um, you know, spotty Wi-Fi, uh, you know, good headphones and you, you know, I can get in the zone and that's a great, great way to have constraints that lead to create creative thinking. Fantastic. So constraints is something that uh, allows you to stay productive and focused. Yeah. Got it. Um, so how do you plan? Do you plan in terms of days or weeks, months, years? I mean, there's <laughs> long-term, short-term planning. Let's just debate between days and weeks. Do you think in terms of weeks or do you think in terms of days? Yeah. So our, I mean, our basic building block is a two-week sprint. And what we do at the beginning of each sprint is we really take um, kind of the first half of the first day to actually um, assign goals Um, take from those goals the tasks that will help help us achieve those goals and then put them actually into into our calendars, right? So if I know that to to write three lessons in a sprint will take me X amount of hours, I want to put that time into my calendar from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically we're, you know, we're taking the derivative of our goals, assigning them into tasks, and then scheduling days around those tasks. Got it, got it, got it. Do you have any common practice uh, to... Because with remote, I've realized everybody is working in different time zone at their own schedules. Uh, how do yeah. you coordinate between... So asynchronous is great. I'm all for it. But uh, maybe once in a while, say once in a week, once in a couple of weeks, uh, everybody has to synchronize themselves to make sure everybody's on the same page. Then from there again, let's go in our own direction. Just make exactly. sure uh, we are doing... Exactly. That. So uh, how, how do you do it? Do it do, do you do it on daily stand-ups or do you do it um, on the uh, uh, reflection meetings every couple of weeks or how does it work? Um, it's exactly what you said. I mean, we, we, have a, we have a daily stand-up that's 10, 15 minutes long that everyone comes to, we're, you know, it also helps that we're, uh, you know, we're a small team. And then we have a bi-weekly sprint review meeting um, okay. and, and, you know, setting up for the next sprint. And bi-weekly is like every, every other week, right? So once every two weeks we, we meet up, it's a longer meeting, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, uh, review the goals, review what we've done, what went well, what didn't work well. Um, communication is a large part of it. Asynchronous really works well when everyone's kind of on the same page and when yes. the people at the company, like when that's part of who they are, right? Like mm-hmm. they, yep. they like to manage their own time. They like to um, be 
kind of on their own and asynchronous and we're big on documentation. We're big on having the answers kind of in our, in our, in our internal wiki. You just have to go find it, right? Like you have to kind of be an archeologist who, who okay. likes to dig okay. into the different tasks <laughs> to find the answers um, and planning, right? So part of it is sometimes this is very hard as a founder, right? Where you have to recognize that, yeah, I should have thought about that a day in advance because I can't expect mm-hmm. someone to give me an answer from today to, you know, from like now mm-hmm. to now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so planning in advance and more often than not, that's my own fault, right? I, I could have thought about this in advance. I could have set the priorities right. Um, and being cognizant of, of people's time and making sure that they can choose when to do that deep work. And the thing is, we all have deep work to do. Right. All of us yep. have to get that done. And so you have to really be aware of that and just set priorities very clearly so that people can take the priority that you're setting and then rearrange their time properly. Got it. Okay. So when when um, building a business, when growing a business, there are hundreds of things trying to take your attention. Uh, there, there are people pitching to That's you. It. They That's are, it. <laughs> yeah so there are people pitching to you there there are too many things that you could do um do you have to prioritize things because time is time is limited but also there's an opportunity cost if you delay something important for too long um that's not good for the business how do you choose uh what to spend your time on um yeah so i try my, my general guideline is like i want to be 80 percent planned and then 20 percent um serendipitous and kind of open okay. open okay. open to things okay. Okay. um so, because you never know what, you know, you never know what, what will lead to what. Um, mm-hmm. And so in the 80% planned, um, I try to be pretty ruthless um, okay. in terms of what I, what I prioritize and what I don't. Having, mm-hmm. you know, the sprint goals for those two weeks really helps, right? If this is not part of the sprint goals, then let's, let's push it off to the next sprint. Um, and that's part of the reason for having clear sprint goals. Um, and if you see that you're postponing something again and again, then, you know, it's probably not important and just say no, right? Um, being, I, I, f- I feel like being an early stage founder really helps you say no um, politely with no hard feelings. Um, and people have no problem accepting a no in general, right? If you just be polite, you're generous with your response, um, you know, you don't BS, people are, are perfectly fine with that. Um, and and it's really just a question of that prioritization and and setting those goals as a team really helps. And how do you say no? Do you do you just say, hey, this is not right for us? Or do you also say this is not right for us? Here's why. I usually try and say, here's why. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. I, yeah. I mean, yes. So um, I also realize, so usually earlier, um, I would just try to get through no's really quickly. And I would not think about the other person. I would say, hey, not right fit for us, not right fit for us. Then somebody asked me one day, he just replied back and said, but why? And just to <laughs> just to tell that person why, uh, maybe a single line sentence, it took me almost 20, 15 minutes to actually think why this is not the right thing for us. And since then, I'm tried, I've tried to make this make, make it a practice to say no, and then also tell here's why, because that also forces me to think really from the first principles, if uh, should I really say no to this, this opportunity or should, should I really say no to uh, this person? Uh, because sometimes if you really think about it, sometimes you say, hey, but maybe I could make use of this, uh, but in right. a different manner, let me propose this other variation to this person. And let's see That's what interesting. happens. That's interesting. I, I come at it from a, from a very different side, which is um, okay. kind of doing unto others what I wish people would do to me. Um, okay. I, I have no problem accepting a no. That's a completely legitimate response. I am always mm-hmm. curious to know why. I think 
this comes up a lot in terms of fundraising, right? So when you're trying to raise funds, um, getting feedback from a, from an investor is really, really important because that's how you can improve. And actually even more so than investors, like getting user feedback, right? I, I so much appreciate our users who take their time to give us feedback and send a note and 10 minutes out of their day um, and, and provide the why. Yes. Um, and I yes. appreciate that so much that I, I feel like it's my duty to do that for others now. Okay. So um, now let's get a little light hearted with the questions. Okay. So have you recently formed any new habit? Have I recently formed any new habit? I would say eating unhealthily is a new habit. I've, I'd say I've failed at many, many habits. <laughs> okay. Give, give us an example. Sure, sure. So I've, I've tried to do daily learnings um, in all kinds of formats over the past two months. Mm -hmm. um, I've tried Duolingo. I failed. You know what? Actually, a, a habit that has succeeded has been creating my own flashcards for myself. So um, okay. I've read, uh, I've read an, an amazing essay on augmenting long-term memory written by Andy Matushak and Michael Nielsen. And it's mm -hmm. all about, how, I think it's actually Michael Nielsen only, about how he used um, a flashcard system to augment his long-term memory and remember what he, he reads. Um, okay. And I've actually, I have, I have started doing that. Oh, nice. And uh, uh, what time do you do uh, towards the end of the day? No, this is actually whenever I'm reading something interesting. So um, I do a lot of my kind of heavy reading on the weekends, um, okay. articles, research, things like that. So over the weekends, I, if I'm reading something interesting, I will tag it, um, I will mark it down, and then I will go create a flashcard for it. Um, I also have a, a weekly lesson on, uh, on the Bible. And so okay. when I do that, I, and I want to remember what I'm learning, I will, throughout the lesson, I will create those flashcards for myself. Okay. How do you create these flash flashcards? Are these some physical cards or do you use it? No, some, no. Some um, I, so I actually, I, I use, um, an app for it. I mean, we, we actually built this into Alp now so that I can do it okay. in Alp. Okay. Um, but okay. before we built this into Alp, I used, um, Anki. Anki app um, okay. flashcard system, which is which is great, really, really great. It's a bit pricey. It's um, I think uh, twenty five dollars or so, but uh, to, okay. to download the app. But it's I, you know, twenty five dollars to to kind of retain what you read is very, very worthwhile in my mind. Fantastic. And these flashcards are text based, not audio or video. Yeah, or it's um, it's it's text, but you can also do photos. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. Another, another, another light question. So, uh, enough about productivity, but sometimes if you, ha if you have to say, just waste 15, 20 minutes, maybe you're waiting for something, uh, last meeting, meeting record rescheduled and you have to just kill your next 15, 20 minutes. Do you have any go-to list of websites that you just go to and then, uh, waste your 15 or 20 minutes? Um, I have two chess.com okay. and gods Unchained. Oh, you also play chess. Give me a high five. Yes. What's your high five? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, um, I play chess. I've, you know, the five-minute blitz is great for killing 10 minutes of your yes. time. Um, yes. I find that it also gets my blood racing. So <laughs> it's a great way to re-energize. <laughs> um, um, and if I have 20 minutes, then um, Gods Unchained, which is like a Magic the Gathering um, mm -hmm. card game. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, cycling. Cycling. The cycling season is about to start. Um, when as of we're recording this. And so I will follow that. Oh, nice. Fantastic. Uh, what's your chess.com username? Uh, I, yeah, host ZL. You can find me there. Add me. 
<laughs> oh, yes, because I'm also going to uh, add this chess.com username in the blog post and in the episode so that if anybody wants to <laughs> play some uh, game of chess with you, uh, they can challenge you. What's, what's your rating? Let them go for it. Um, I do. I, I'm, I don't think it's, it's very high. I mean, I have like a, a 1400 or something like that on the, on the longer games. And then in the blitz, it's like 800, 900, something like that. This is good. This is good. I mean, it means you have played um, thousands of games. Yeah. Wow. Well, I okay. used to I used to I used to play chess when I was little and like a lot of other people got back into it after watching Queen's Gambit. Uh, I remember, I remember. So now uh, when all of us woke in the office, the so last we had, the, we had office was in year 2016. Since 2016, uh, I always been working remote. So there we had a wooden chess board and every evening uh, around 5 p.m. we would wrap up everything and we would just have tournament. So they'd be like <laughs> a couple of hours just playing chess, chess, chess within ourselves, forming different, different teams. And it was one of the best uh, exercises to get teams together because then you're not talking about work at all. You're just talking about crushing the other team, crushing the other yeah. person. <laughs> and uh, that that feeling was feeling was amazing. Um, uh, but yes, do, um, then it got left out because everybody started working remote. Uh, never touched it for the next last uh, next uh, four years. But then coronavirus happened. I was um, <laughs> locked up in a home. And um, I thought, hey, what do I play? I mean, what do I, uh, how, what do I do on this device to kill my time? One was Twitter, and then second thing, I thought, hey, let's just start downloading some games. Uh, one of the games that immediately popped up in my head was Chess.com. So I got back uh, to it again. It's fantastic. I mean, fantastic. It's fantastic. Yep. It's fantastic. Uh, also, also, if you think um, you can derive some business lessons from it uh, by the strategy, <laughs> how do you place your pieces so that you think you are thinking two moves ahead, three moves ahead? Not directly, yeah. but uh, some sort of uh, strategy you learn. Oh, okay. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's like uh, Settlers yes. of Catan and Chess. Yes. Um, just by, by the way, on a remote activity that works really, really well, mm-hmm. um, we've done this Dungeons and Dragons role play okay. with the rest of your team uh we like we've done this twice and it was incredibly incredibly successful um, highly recommended so how do you do it do, do you do it on the zoom calls or something uh, yeah else? we do it on the zoom call basically everyone has to have kind of a a, a character that they will play um that okay. they know in advance and you can do a kind of a light version so that people can feel comfortable um, we basically, I'm the only one at our team who knows who, who actually plays this. Um, and so everyone uh-huh. else was their first time. So it's a question, you know, you, you want to make it um, easy yeah. to, to hop on yeah, board. Yeah, yeah. And it's really just about having fun and role playing someone else and uh, and getting involved in it. And it went really, really, really well. But uh, it, uh, I have never played Dungeons & Dragons, but uh, I have uh, uh, heard about it. So one player becomes a dungeon master then, but um, there are other tools like you need to have some sort of map going on and then dice is going on. So how do you do those those things? Yeah, so I mean, um, so I was I was the dungeon master and basically I shared my screen um, and on my ah, screen I had the map. Okay. Um, and okay. I just drew some basic map in PowerPoint so that people can get a basic idea of what's going on. Okay. Um, and then for dice, there's a virtual die roller. You know, if you just Google virtual okay. die roller, then mm-hmm. it'll pop up and it's it's that easy. Fantastic. Uh, okay, so this could be something. So do you have any screenshots taken from your... Uh, I We might. I actually have to look. I have to look. I'll if, send you a link afterwards. Yes. If, if you do have, please send those screenshots to me because I would really love to include <laughs> them in the uh, blog post. This is one of the most amazing uh, <laughs> hack or a tip that I've uh, heard of. 
<laughs> sure, sure. I, I actually, I was so blown away by it when we, you know, because when you suggest this to, to people who've never played Dungeons and Dragons, the first look you get is like, huh? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and then after you explain that that expression, by the way, still stays, they're like, oh, okay, but let's give it a shot. Um, and and it went so well that I, I, I actually, um, yeah, I'll send you what I have. I'll send you what I have. Yes, please, please. Uh, thank you so much. Okay, so Yeshua, we are towards the end of this uh, interview. So this is the way. This is the place where I ask this magical question uh, to all of our uh, all of our guests. If magically somehow you got an additional hour every single day for the rest of your life, how would you spend it? <laughs> um, other than playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, <laughs> it could I be would Dungeons and Dragons as well. Okay. Yeah, I I would read. If it was like on my own, it would be reading. If it was with friends, it would be Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> you would read, but you would not listen to Alp Audio. I would not listen to Alp Audio. I think the wonder of Alp Audio is that it fits into the time I already have. Okay. <laughs> if I magically had, if I magically had another hour of my day, it would be doing something like fully. Yeah. What what kind of books do you read? I am a huge fantasy reader. Um, that's kind of my, my fantasy and historical fiction are the two mm -hmm. genres that I read for fun. Um, and beyond that, you know, just like a lot of the um, macroeconomics, um, finance, um, and business are kind of the, the books that I read for, for Got interest. It. Got um, it. But yeah. Fantastic. Yeshua, uh, if anybody wants to follow along your journey or wants to get in touch with you, know more about you, your journey, your company, what's the best way? Easiest. I mean, where you can find us at alpaudio.com, um, in the app stores. I myself, I'm on Twitter at yehoshzl, Y-E-H-O-S-H-Z-L, or yehoshua at alpaudio.com. Um, happy to hear from everyone i try and answer everyone and say why not if i answer no <laughs> fantastic and and and, and uh, everybody listening to the podcast you can find all of these links uh, in the show notes of the episode including his chess.com username so if, <laughs> and if anybody wants to play a game of chess with him all, all are welcome happy to lose <laughs> Uh, Yoshua, thank, thank you so much for taking your time to talk to this me is, today. I have got great. some My very pleasure. interesting insights. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm going to try Alp Audio as well uh, to see to see what kind of audio experience there is. <laughs>